I'd like to welcome you to the Jed Hughes Podcast. Each episode will feature a unique leader and will delve into the qualities that inspire greatness, galvanize organizations, and teach the next generation of aspiring leaders. Jed ran the process that resulted in the hiring of Pete Carroll, Jim Harbaugh, Andy Reid, Masai Uzuri. Now, according to Forbes, Jed is the most connected man in sports. I'd like to welcome my guest, the president and CEO of the Ford Motor Company, Jim Hackett. Jim has spent his last 43 years driving family businesses to be successful. As a former Michigan football player, he was trained in business at Procter & Gamble's and then moved to Steelcase, where at age 39, he became the CEO of a family-run business. After retiring from Steelcase, Jim returned to his alma mater to hire Jim Harbaugh as its head football coach and then was brought on to Ford in order to reintroduce a family culture and a new strategic approach to develop innovative products. An unbelievably thoughtful, personable, and empathetic leader, Jim Hackett, is a world-class individual. Well, first of all, I thought today I would be uh, welcoming you back from vacation. I didn't think uh, you would have announced your retirement last week. We both learned a virtue from one of our great coaches, which is the time to turn this over is when the locker room was stocked with talent. So our version of talent is the product lineup. So all the work I've done to help get that turned around is going to start yielding a lot of advantage for Ford. When you talk about those days of Bo and Jerry Hanlon, I, I can still remember you and I were there, and I mean, it was not easy. It was aggressive. So I, I, in terms of how they helped you, how that experience has helped you and molded you as a leader, how would you define those four years? It... Uh clearly shows you the potential of your own limits. Like, I, I know exactly what our audience wouldn't probably gather from that aggressive thing. It was, you know, it was it had high integrity, caring for each other and the team. But physically, that program pushed us as far as you possibly could go. I mean, I lost 20 pounds in the first 10 days of training camp. I thought I was in shape. And so I learned, I learned a valuable lesson about what it felt like to push yourself, not to, not to a crazy level, but to a level where you could do more. And I, yeah, that, fo that followed me my whole life. Your P&G experience that you had before you went to Steelcase, how much did that help shape some of your, your business thinking? Well, these were known as academy companies, uh, P&G, Xerox, IBM, and basically they did a fantastic job of recruiting college talent. And then if you got into their program, they would shape and mold you. I don't know if you remember the first time you ever saw yourself. We're old enough to declare this on videotape. In my case, I was being trained to present a product. And it was the most startling thing I've ever been through because I, I never saw myself in the light that the camera saw me. And P&G, the the training that you went through 
helped you see the, the standards by which not only would you present a product, but later what's called a unit manager. Um, they issued you, <laughs> this is another laugher, but they issued you a company briefcase. And the reason was because they standardized the way you did paperwork, which one of the principles was you never, if you ever had idle time, like you were sitting waiting on calling on a customer, you opened that briefcase and you were productive. And again, like the football training and the expanse that it allowed me to think about myself physically, the P&G training was this notion of how you had to compete within yourself, how to use your time effectively. So yeah, I couldn't trade that experience for anything else I got in my business career. You joined Steelcase and you eventually at 39 become the CEO. And in the process, you come up with this design thinking concept. Can you talk a little bit about that, how that kind of helped mold Steelcase and what that did for the organization? As I learned later, being a CEO, the succession planning, which is some of your background, was not fully developed. And so I find myself, you know, too young for the size of the responsibility. And thank goodness I had a wonderful mentor in Bob Pugh who knew the risk he was taking. Uh, so there was a lot of, I would just say, patience for me evolving. And yeah, I met a very famous guy in the field you just described, design thinking. His name was David Kelly, grew up in Barberton, Ohio. Long story short, I contracted him to help me with thinking about home office products. I was running the division for Steelcase, learned he was from Barberton, bonded, did some really great work together. Eventually, I, I buy, as the CEO of Steelcase, I buy his company and integrate it. And so it's like sitting on the shoulder of a giant for 20 years, learning this principle. Now, thinking you might ask me what it means, here's an example this morning as I'm pulling out my Ford Aviator on my way down to Detroit for meetings. My wife's got an Aviator next to me. Mine is gasoline. And hers is a plug-in hybrid. So I, I thought, well, you know, be the good husband and unplug her charging cord and put it on its holder. As I'm backing out, I'm thinking, you know, the interesting design problem here is that she hates doing that. She loves the car, but she hates this plugging of the charger. So let's just say an observer of this would say, well, you know, she has to plug a gasoline pump in. Why not? Why is this any more troublesome? In fact, it's right in her garage. The answer is that the design problem is the time, and you have to plug the gas pump in because you don't want gasoline in your char in your garage. But you don't have any problem with electricity in your garage; you already have it everywhere. So there's a thing called inductive charging, which means you just drive your vehicle over a pad in the floor, and it charges overnight. And so these are innovations that Ford and others are working on. That's an example of the design. The dominant design of the gas station causes the people inventing vehicles to copy that historic practice as they move from one technology to the other, and it doesn't fully appreciate the way a customer could have an advantage. And so there's a billion stories like inductive charging, but that's what I used at Steelcase to rethink the way people would use the furniture. You know, and it just quickly, it had more to do with the way the technology that you were bringing to the office was a, a hassle. The plugs, the couldn't see screens in meeting rooms. We totally transformed the company around. 
you retire, and then all of a sudden Michigan calls you to come become their interim athletic director, and you and I reunite again as you lead the charge to bring Jim Harbaugh back to Michigan. That was a, a unique and powerful experience. We saw each other in a, at a football game earlier, right. and I was so pleased right. to run into you at the Iowa-Michigan game, met your son. And audience should know that Jed Hughes was a grad assistant when I was a freshman, and Jed was getting his PhD, which I, as the world should know Michigan, this is a place where you can have it all. You can be in the elite athletic program and the elite academic program. And so when Jed was getting this PhD and coaching, I was so impressed. I come from a family. My father's a veterinarian and my brother's a doctor, you know, and I thought, Jed proving that you can do both. And then the second thing, Jed, that I loved about you was we thought about training athletes and everything. You were bringing all the science. So you were a great teacher in helping us understand why the running and the sprinting and the lifting was really helping our bodies. When I became athletic director, I thought that's the kind of person I want uh, helping me. He's as he's competitive and dedicated. We're going to need to be uh, superb here. So, so yeah, when I got the call, I was not looking to go back to work. In fact, I just had a right side hip replacement. I already had a left, so I was still recovering from it. You know, it's a fan, it saved my life kind of surgery because I can do everything I've always done. But it was hard getting around. Don't want to be limping into meetings and things like that. I got over that ego issue. And I thought I was going to go down and help the president for 90 days or six months. And then when I got into the whole thing, I can help you get a couple more foundational things settled. And it turned into 18 months. Right. And, uh, and so, and, and then your help recruiting uh, one of the best coaches, if not the best coach in college football today, Jim Harbaugh. It was remarkable. And at the same time, I think you uh, joined the Ford board and was involved on the innovation and sustainability responsibility. I get this invitation to join the Ford board. The way Bill Ford tells the story is after the economic crisis of 08 to 10, 2008 to 2010, Bill recognizes that the components of his board would be better served if he had some members that were state of Michigan CEOs, because as you were at the kind of end of the rope they were, the whole auto industry was, he needed someone who had industrial experience leading uh, companies with large workforces that substantially are people that work in factories and then understand what it's like to be a family company and the promise that made. So he came to me and said, I need you on this board for all these reasons. And so what turned into an exciting invitation, you know, transcends to one of the best friendships I think I'll ever have um, with Bill Ford. I'm very close to him. You become the CEO in 2017. Over these three years, I mean, the reorganization, the vision, the strategy, talk about how you have evolved this company as you described at the beginning, where you now have this set of products that you really feel comfortable about. I wondered if I could be like a sideline coach to the then team. There's talent there. I was very uh, impressed with the sitting CEO, what he had to confront. 
is the way the technology is disrupting the business. And so I had experience with that because of buying IDEO and David Kelly and being in Silicon Valley and then trying it on a smaller company in Steelcase. I eventually give in to the offer, but I tell Bill Ford, I'm not sure I'm the right fit. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, the way I like to transform a business is not the way Wall Street will like it. And uh, he said, tell me more. And I said, we have to build uh, brick by brick a, a new culture that has fan that already has fantastic people in it. It's a culture that's less bureaucratic. So, Jed, again, in your background, Ford had one of the highest top to bottom level and layer structures of any modern corporation. It was way over bureaucratic. So I had to we had to fix that. That that was so politically charged. We ended up taking out 20 percent of the management uh, to do that. And then the product strategy was controversial because we had to get rid of sedans. The sedans are have an emotional attachment to many of us, um, but the world was voting for bigger, what I called silhouettes. And that was gonna be difficult. Uh, and then the third thing was we needed to restructure some of these businesses where the social plans, again, for the audience, that means the governments in those countries the auto employment is so important that you can't really exit a business that's not making money. Uh, in the case of one of our competitors, they sold it to another European business. We, we weren't going to sell the Ford, Ford Motor Company in Europe. And then the fourth one is the one you started our meeting with, which is we have the best engineers in the world, incredible manufacturing engineering. I wanted to tip the room a little more towards understanding the way customers wanted their products configured so that we would win market share that way. So all four of these things take time. I, I just know the experience. You just can't come in and, and declare that. In fact, paying homage to your practice, do I have the right senior team? You know, if they've been trained so much one way, would they move with me to this direction? All these things went through my mind as I stepped in the job. But now as I look back, Every one of those things have happened. It's just that Wall Street is impatient, and I understand that. They will be very happy, though, because these things generate really good value over time. So during this last five months, in terms of your response, the fact that the president, I, I think, tried to get forward to make respirators and so forth, what was that? What, what has that experience been like? This is very typical of my experience at Steelcase, and I found it like a cutout of, at Ford, which is family businesses, long held ones, see their mission in addition to generating value for shareholders and jobs for employees. They serve their communities because they're just so intertwined. And, and uh, in the middle of the pandemic, I emailed three people. One was a colleague at Mayo Clinic who I befriended and worked with extensively when I was running Steelcase on the future of healthcare. Another one was an entrepreneur that I just trust in West Michigan who's been in the healthcare business. And the third was a senior um, product line manager at Ford who just impressed me, kind of got my way of doing things. And I, I emailed three of them and said, hey, if, if respirators are being called out, how fast could we put them together? Well, the Mayo 
clinic doctor's insight was, you know, some of the technology that we had to be considerate of. Entrepreneur was experienced in how to do startups, and the Ford engineer knew all our resources. And in an amazing short time, we found a little company, Jed, that produced six to seven ventilators a week in Florida. You know, we're, we're producing north of 30 a minute now. We didn't want to buy the company, Ford didn't. So we, that's what uh, at, you know, motivated me to reach out to the CEO of General Electric, who was already in the medical business, has you know, a distribution system, et cetera. And so we partnered with GE and on this uh, ventilator. And then I need to sneak this in. When we were talking to the Mayo people, they said, just as important at the other end of the complexity continuum is just simple surgical masks. We can't get enough of them. So we went overseas and bought three machines where most of these are made in China. We bought the machines back here and put them in a Ford factory. And now we're on a drive to produce 100 million of these surgical masks a week right now. And we aren't at that total, but we really need those in the country to slap down the virus again. Um, it's it's uh, bounced way back up. And the masking, the science around what the masking is doing is clear. So we've got to get everybody socially to wear them. And the surgical mask and a higher level of protection than some of the stuff that's uh, available. It's, you know, something's better than nothing, but you can throw these away. So that's why we have to produce so many of them. And all three of these initiatives, masks, ventilators, and the partnerships, all were born out of the experience I had at Steelcase and Ford's history in the Willow Run production, building a bomber to help win the war. And so, gosh, it just snapped together beautifully. The world uh, humbly has held us in high regard for this. Our, our brand scores are the highest they've been in two decades. And and it's sincere. You know, we weren't doing this to sell cars. We were doing this to help our fellow man, so to speak. The Bronco SUV, how did that come about? I mean, that seems to be grabbing all sorts of attention. It sounds like you're back ordered. I mean, people can't get enough of them. It will end up being probably the most successful product launch in Ford's history, which will, you know, supersede the earliest Mustangs and F-150. It's broken all the records. We have these reservations that tell us how many people want them. It's over 150,000 right now and growing, which we're working really hard to up the production. The movement to build it was nothing I brought. It was already in the company. It started and stopped, started and stopped. But what I'm proud of is my regime. We have a famous meeting when they say, we're going to do this product. I say, well, we're, I want to go through a design thinking review, which they were, weren't sure what that was. So they brought in somebody's old Bronco that's been fully restored in a room, and they had all the gear that one might put in that if an outdoorsman, you know, from fishing rods to tents and sleeping bags and i asked them the question what just like you and i role play through the way your car was charged what part of as we go forward we would reinterpret for the modern outdoorsman versus the way they were historic the delicate balance here jed is collectors really don't want you to mess with the history or the legacy uh, so we were able to retain all that but we put all kinds of virtue in this vehicle that uh, speak to what i just said for example 
two that I'll give you quickly. One is if you drive this out in the wild and, and you go on a trail, it's really normal that you would come back and tell your friends, maybe meet me there. Well, with the modern world, you can actually map the terrain because of the GPS in the vehicle. And then through social media, it shows up in their Bronco. So when they, when they go to the wild, they just are following a road on their screen that you forged for them. This will gain a lot of uh, a buzz because of the way it creates a network effect. And then the second thing is more mechanical. Signers and watching uh, a competitor, well-known competitor, very successful, you can take the doors off of their product, but you have to chain them to a tree because there's nowhere to store them if you're outdoors. Designed ours with no frames so that they're super lightweight, but just they, they're even better in the crash test. But the carrier's in the back of the vehicle. There's a space and you can take them with you. So those two, two examples, I feel really proud of the influence of, of our regime changing the way they were going to interpret it. So this, this is an exciting moment. So when you think about uh, announcing your retirement and one or two things that you take the most pride in achieving, the Bronco SUV would be one I would just... It's up there because I always knew, in a not an arrogant way, but I always knew that if I had the time, these methods work. And you're, you know this as a football coach, that you know exactly what will be yielded if you don't lose too many games on the way to having your license renewed. And so the question for me wasn't how to do it. It was when the payoff would happen. And so I'm feeling like I'm six months behind where I thought I would be. We had a problematic launch last year that exposed a bunch of weaknesses that I had to address. And they're fully fixed, um, like a game film. You know, it, it taught me the reinforcement of that. And uh, so that put it back. And so the confidence in can the company deliver a new product? I'm as proud of this method will pay respect in the future. I'm not really looking for anybody to believe me now. When, when they look back, they go, oh, yeah, Jim told us this would happen. And then it does. You know, that's really fulfilling. So what will retirement look like for you and Kathy? When you spend so much of your time working the moment. I remember Bo and Lloyd Carr later telling me, and now Jim Harbaugh, you're so, the season takes all of your attention. They even forget what it's like to go in a hardware store. Well, it's like that being a CEO. You just, you're so intense in the issue you're dealing with, you wouldn't be spending time on your own retirement. I plan on, on October 2nd, starting that work. All kinds of things I might think about. I realize that running, I've, I've had two of the best running business plus the Michigan assignment. I don't want to do that again. I don't want to run a business every day, but I'd love to advise and help through boards or other council. First time I saw you smile through that helmet, this positive, contagious energy that, that you manifest with the mind and how you deal with people and solve problems, it's incredible. All we have to do is look at the track record of what you've done. Just really appreciate the fact that you've included me in uh, opportunities. I, I still look back on those days when your offensive line coach, <laughs> in terms of coaching technique, were, were verbally aggressive in terms of trying <laughs> to get the most they, the, and the most they could out of uh, this young 
offensive linemen. I mean, you've taken it to a new level in terms of what you took from there, Jim. It's remarkable. My retrospective on that was that I now know later that I had a little spine hip problem that was uh, maturing in my back, which changed the way in which my hip flexors worked and, you know, eventually had to be replaced. We just know this because it's hereditary in my family. And so I look back and think my football career never really developed the way I wanted it to, but the experience is something I wouldn't trade. There was a day which the audience uh, should know, which you get a, a ring that signifies your, your promise and pledge to the program. It's called the M ring. And it's the final moment coming out of the program when you realize what you've given. And it's a really special moment. And I'm on the bus going back to wherever they're taking us. And I, I got really emotional because I realized it was over. And the irony is I wasn't a headliner. It just hit me how close I was to everybody that was on that team, I still am today, and how much it taught me about the realm of human potential. And so I couldn't wait for the next assignment that was going to present itself because I wanted to win so badly. And uh, you remind me of that, Jet, and you know the coach we just recruited reminds me of that. Love being around people that doubly impress if they want to do it the right way, if they have integrity and the backbone, and then they just, there's no fear, you know, there's nothing they, they don't want to do. And that optimism comes from every day. There's a challenge that I look forward to being on, you know, when I get, when I wake up. And so that's going to be the important thing that I'm not rearranging the kitchen every morning when I'm retired with Kathy, you know, I'll drive her crazy. So I, I'm going to figure out a way to mentality in a different way uh, as I retire. Well, good luck to you. Our audience will never really understand what it was like on those hot days when you were running all those plays, really mental test of toughness, which you obviously have demonstrated the ability to execute in an unbelievably visionary manner. So thanks for being my guest, Jim, and taking time. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you. And I'm glad you're still active. And I look forward to catching up with you after October 1st, okay? Outstanding.